Louisiana was fun, but I was thinking while I was there, I was praying for our time together and uh, watching the service, of course, asking the Lord to give me a word, and I felt like he put something um, on my heart in Acts chapter 9, which is a really powerful uh, powerful story that we're going to read today, but we really are, as Mill Creek Foursquare Church, we're on community, or we're a community that's on mission together uh, in the name of Jesus, with the power of Jesus, to make him known to the world. We already, if you're in here and you've already given your heart to Jesus, you already know him. And so now we become a people on mission together to let everyone else that does not know him know him, know about him through our life. We become vessels in the, in the hands of the Lord to let people know about Jesus. And this is a profound privilege. It's a great responsibility to bring Jesus to people and people to Jesus. And I think it's one of those things that we need to talk clearly about, you know, very often because we can get sidetracked and distracted with the minutia of life. And I get it. I mean, life is very, very full. You wake up in the morning and most people have an incredibly full schedule. You know that there's lots that fill your day. There's lots of things to be mindful about, lots of things to do. But if we're not careful, what can happen is that we can get kind of stuck in in sort of a cycle of practicing Christianity on like a base level. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like we can allow the parts to become the whole, just some of what we're supposed to do as Christians, like attend a service or, you know, give some money to charity or maybe even read our Bible regularly. All of that we need to do, all of that we ought to do and, and grow in all of that. But that is not all that Jesus has called us to do. We're called to live a Christian lifestyle that leaks into everywhere we go and everything that we do. And as we are this kind of a people, we want to certainly grow into that. But I think it's important that at times we sort of pause and be inspired for what the Lord wants to do through our life. And that's why I love stories like I'm going to share with you today, because they're those kind of stories that show us what is on the other side of our obedience to Jesus. And I think we need to see that. Like there are things that if we step into them, if we only step into them, God will move powerfully. And I, I'm titling my sermon this morning, Waiting on You. And what I mean by that is you as in me and you, us, is that there are people that are waiting on us to bring to them the life and the love and the freedom and the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're literally waiting on us. And there is a profound responsibility that we carry as those who know the gospel and know the love of the Father. And uh, we have, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. We are carriers of all of this. And he has entrusted us and invested into us so much that we need to become great and good stewards of all that God has put inside of us. So it's not really about us. It's about bringing to other people what Jesus has put inside of us. It's amazing privilege and um, profound responsibility uh, that we have. So I'm titling this, waiting on you as you uh, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. I don't know if you remember this, but it was a few months ago we went through the book of Acts together. We only really got to Acts chapter 8 because otherwise it would have taken us five years to get through the entire book of Acts, but we stopped in Acts chapter 8, and so we're picking up our sermon series in Acts 9 today, but in Acts chapter 7, you see a, a man named Stephen who, who gives an account to those that are questioning him, and he ends, up getting, he ends up getting murdered for really standing for Christ and telling the story of Jesus from his perspective in this Jewish context. And, and it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, that there was a man named Saul who consented to the death 
of this man named Stephen who was a faithful disciple of Jesus. And if that's not a description of somebody's life that just makes you pause and go, man, I don't know what else uh, could make you cringe more. But this is sort of a summation of this guy Saul's life who we're going to kind of read about today. It says that he consented to the death of this faithful disciple named Stephen, Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And it, it goes on in Acts chapter 9 to tell us about this man named Saul, who we know later as the Apostle Paul, who wrote 13 letters of the New Testament. This is his conversion story from Acts 9-1 through verse 10, where he actually is on his way to Damascus with papers, with permission slips, so to speak, from the Jewish council to throw Christians into jail. Those of the, the Bible calls the way, but we call ourselves Christians. So he's a persecutor of the church at the highest level, and he's on his way to take care of those that are in Damascus or put them away, so to speak. And as he's on his way, the Bible says that a light, this light from heaven, shines around him, and a voice from heaven speaks to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now remember, he's persecuting people, those that are following Jesus, but Jesus personalizes this and says, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's response to that was, who are you? And he says, Jesus. So he has this heavenly encounter. He is thrown down to the ground as a result of this penetrating light from heaven that flashes around him. And it says that his companions who are with him could not see this, but it says that they could, they could hear. And it's kind of interesting. So he is struck blind at this point, and the people that are with Saul have to take him into Damascus, and he is basically sitting there waiting for something and someone to come to him. He's there for many days. He's blind. He hasn't eaten, so he's obviously fasting at this point. And we pick up the story. We're going to read about a man named Ananias and his encounter with Saul in verse 10. And this is what it says. It'll be on the screen. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to a street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed. Verse 17. I love that little, those three words. As a result of that, Ananias departed by the word of the Lord. And he entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up, and he was baptized and he took food and he was strengthened. Such a powerful story. And as I read this, I thought about how there are people in our life, like Saul, who are waiting on us. And I want to walk through this story with just a few, very, what I would consider very simple observations with the hope that we would be inspired to hear the voice of the Lord for ourselves and address those that he sends us to around our life. And by the way, the book of Acts 
is a narrative. It's a biblical narrative. It's a description of what has happened in time and history, the birth of the church, the spread of the church over a span of 30 years. But I also think that it is not just descriptive, but it's prescriptive as well. In other words, we can look at this book and see that God wants to continue to speak to us and use us because his purpose and his mission has not changed in the world that we live in, to reach people in the name of Jesus with the gospel of Jesus. So here's the first point that I wanna share with you this morning. The first point is very simple. God will use you. There are a few things to mention as we look at this point. When I talk about God wants to use us, I think everybody probably agrees with that, but I wanna show you from this passage, and not only this one, but it's kind of amazing to me how Jesus speaks from heaven to this guy named Saul as he's on the road. He doesn't know who he is, so he says, who are you? And he says, Jesus, the one whom you've been persecuting. And it's amazing how he strikes him blind, and then he has to walk into Damascus by the help of his companions, and he's waiting there for someone to come to him. And so in my mind, I sort of get to this place where I go, why didn't Jesus just say, I'm Jesus, believe in the gospel, get up, and now go in, you know, like go to where I want you to go and start moving in the plan that I have for your life. Instead, it just seems like a lot of work to me that God strikes him blind. He goes into Damascus. He's still sitting there kind of confused, not knowing what to do with his life at this point. And then God over here is speaking to this man named Ananias, and he's like, hey, I want you to go to this house, and I want you to talk to this guy, and I want you to lay your hands on him because I've called him to do great things. It's like God speaks to this guy. He speaks to this guy, tells this guy to go over to this guy. If you don't see the picture of something beautiful here. It's that God uses people. It just seems to me like, I don't know if you're a control freak like myself, but like I would just cut the middleman out. Do you, under, do you ever have a hard time leaving something in another person's hands? Like, yeah, I would give that to you. I'll take that right back and do that myself. Thank you very much. God bless you. You meant well, but you didn't do well. So... Hopefully that didn't come out of my mouth when I was in that situation. But a lot of us, we have a hard time putting things into other people's hands. Everybody just blink, because you're not going to raise your hand or say amen. Just, yes, okay, I got some agreement. Yes. We have a hard time with that. But God in his divine plan, and I would actually say in God's sovereignty, he has chosen to allow people to be a part of his plan. I mean, that's a high level of trust on his point, except for the fact that he's omniscient and knows everything before it's going to happen. So there is that. But it's incredible to me. Now, this is a mindset that I think we have to have as we live life. Like life for us is to be used in God's plan. Sometimes we ask this question. I hear this a lot. I used to say this. I don't say this hopefully anymore. But God, what is your plan for my life? What is, what is your plan? Like we individualize God's cosmic plan just on us. Like we center like everything on us. It's sort of a strange thing when you think about it. We'll laugh about it now, but like what is your specific individualized plan for my life? And, and certainly God has things that he wants us to do, but God's plan is huge. God's plan is to use all of us in his plan. I don't think I could say that again, but that's what I think God is all about. And so we want to know what is God about? What is God doing? What is the, the big P plan? What is the macro view that we're called to have? And it's so important that we realize in all that God is doing, he uses people like me and he uses people like you. 
And so there are all these people that are waiting on the other end of our obedience to step up and to speak up and to step forward. Isn't that an incredible responsibility? There's another story that's in Acts chapter 10. It starts in the house of this man named Cornelius, who's not a Jew. And it says that he pays alms to, to the Jews, and he's praying. And he's not, he's, he has a level of confusion, I'm sure, just not being a Jewish man, of who Yahweh really is. But he's paying alms to Jewish people, and he's praying. And it says that he has a vision. And in this vision, God speaks to him. It says through an angel, there's an angelic presence there. And, um, and it says, send for a man named Paul. And here you have the same exact story, or a different story, but it's the same kind of scenario. I want you to send your people to a guy named Paul, and here's where he is. And then Paul's having a vision over here from the Holy Spirit. Peter, I'm sorry. Thank you so much. <laughs> Automatic correction, edit, spell check. <laughs> I love it. Skip the email, just send it right now. I love it. Totally fine. Thank you. I appreciate that. I do. I respect that so much. Thank you so much. Peter, I almost said Paul again. Isn't that horrible? Peter, so he's, God, the Holy Spirit is speaking to Peter over here. He's speaking to Cornelius over here. Cornelius send a guy to get Peter, and then Peter comes, and he's not totally sure what's going to happen over here. So he comes, and he preaches the gospel, and then the Holy Spirit falls upon this group of people, and they speak in tongues, and they prophesy, and then Peter goes, oh, I get what God was trying to say to me. Like, don't call things unclean that God has deemed clean. That's the vision that I just had. But if you look at this picture from like a macro level, without the details, you just see God speaks to this person. He speaks to this person. He sends somebody from over here to go over here. He's putting his, hand, his plan into the hands of people. He uses us for his plan. That's a, it's a mindset that we have to have. So number one, God will use us because we're part of his plan. But number two, we need to realize God will use anyone that will just say yes. He'll use anyone that will just say yes. There are times, I know it, where we look at someone that God uses or does something miraculous through or something powerful through, and we go, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't use them. Exactly. <laughs> That's why you're not in charge. <laughs> That's why you're not in charge. That's what I meant, but... I'm, I'm flirting with this concept these days, and it's one of those like, oh no, I'm gonna get in trouble kind of concepts if I say it, but I'm gonna say it. So, and it's, it's a little uncooked, so for grace, amen? Aren't we a community of grace? Like, oh, he didn't mean all that, you know. Uh, I'd say, you're laughing, that's not funny. Um, I think sometimes, we get caught up in this idea that Christianity is all about being nice. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'll just be honest, like, I'm not the nicest person in the world, but I think niceness and kindness are different. And Pastor Chris and I were talking about this yesterday, I think, and kindness is about being thoughtful of other people, but you know, it's really hard to be, you cannot qualify or quantify kindness in superficial interaction. Did you know that? Like in, in our little interaction that we have on Sunday, it is impossible in my mind to qualify or quantify whether or not somebody actually possesses kindness. And our discernment is really bad when we use those moments and opportunities to do so. What ends up happening is we call kindness niceness. 
and we, we actually judge people by niceness, and Christianity becomes all about niceness and being nice people, and my neighbors really like me, and I'm really nice, I'm a really nice person, and my kids are really nice most of the time, and they're really, everybody, it's just, it's all about being like these kind of people that like everybody likes, but don't really understand the substance of their life or the message of their life, and you can go for the rest of your life, and nobody ever really know what even provokes this or promotes this in you and through you. But when you read the scripture, you see a bunch of people that were on mission with Jesus being obedient to the voice of God. And it's amazing to me, like all of this stuff can get done in one moment where the Holy Spirit says, do this, and they just step out and do it. And I think it, it, it messes with us, and we don't even realize it. Like, we spend all of our time, time trying to be these, like, really nice and proper and whatever people, and we're not even good at it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it makes church, like, sometimes it makes church, like, really hard for people because they don't feel like they're maybe getting treated the way they should or want to or they're treating people the way they should or want to because it's kind of hard to wake up on Sunday and just be in a chipper mood. I mean, I went over to Starbucks, and I got a nitro this morning. Can I tell you it changed my life? You'd think I drank three Red Bulls this morning. Oh my gosh. They're like, sir, we will not sell venties of this. I'm like, just give me two grandes. We're good, you know? I don't know if you've ever had a cold brew nitro. It'll change your life. It'll definitely change your witness. But what if we need to focus more on being obedient sons and daughters to what God is calling us to do? And there's all these people, like we're, if everybody in here, if most of us know Jesus, there are all these people out there that don't know Jesus, and we spend so much of our time just trying to be so like this, and less like that, less focused on that, less thinking about that, mindful of, of who might be waiting on me to go to them. Think about that. We get bound up and caught up. Now, I'm not saying it gives us a right to be mean, it's not like the polar opposite is true. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But it's amazing how we can get caught up in this. Again, I told you it was a little uncooked. You know, there it is. But there's no reason to feel disqualified. You know what I'm saying? Like God has invested his spirit inside of us. He says he's given us the mind of Christ. We have the love of the Father, Romans chapter 5, that, that the Holy Spirit has been poured out. The, his love has been poured out inside of us. Like there's all of this stuff inside of me and God wants me to go and give it away. And so it's really not me and it's not about me. I just have to find a way to get the obstacles out of the way so that people can get the best of him and not of my life. And that becomes a primary focus of what a Christian's life is really about. And I think sometimes in our world, we struggle with this quite a bit. And it becomes more focused on the smaller things, which are not unimportant, they're just not as important. You know, I'll be honest with you, there are days sometimes where I don't jive with certain people, and I, I try, I'll even try harder, and I still don't, and I'm like, ah, oh, they're saved, so. <laughs> there's a whole world out there. I don't mean to be rude, but there's a whole world out there, and I'm not going to have nitpick fights with everybody uh, and, and, and think that that's God's plan. That's God's plan, is that we just sort of nitpick each other until we're perfect. Guess what? The only perfect church is a cemetery. Nobody's talking there. No reactions, no responses, no talking back. One day we're all going to be that. 
so much to do, so little time. The second point is God will speak to you. God will use you. God will speak to you. God will speak to you, meaning us. Verse 10 says that the Lord spoke to him in a vision and said, and Ananias said, here I am, Lord. Throughout the book of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit speaking to people. It's a, it's a reality of their world. It's, it's reality of their Christianity. Their Christian life was the Holy Spirit speaks to us, guides us, directs us, gives us instruction and directives and encouragement. Like we need the Holy Spirit's voice in, in, in our life if we're on mission. If you're on mission, you need the voice of the Holy Spirit, not just for affirmation and encouragement, but Lord, what do I do? How do I do what I do? What is on your mind and what is in your heart, Lord, speak to me. But you know, we're not going to be a people that hear the voice of the Holy Spirit if we're not a people of prayer. What does it first say about Ananias? It says Ananias was praying and then he saw a vision. He was a man of prayer, he was praying and he saw a vision. Isn't that incredible? That's all that it is. What if like the only thing between us hearing the voice of God and not is just learning to be a people that can wait on the Lord and listen to the Lord. So the question this morning, therefore, if we're going to be people that go to those that might be waiting on us, are we a people of prayer? Are we listening to the Lord? Are we inviting the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life? Direct me, instruct me, help me understand what you want me to do and be about where? Of all the places that I could go, where do you want me to go? Lord, what are you saying to my neighbors? What are you saying to, about this person? What are you saying? Lord, let me absorb your heart, your thoughts, your mindset, your words for the people in, in my life. And God will graciously speak to each one of us and give us something of his heart for the people around us. Maybe it won't look like that. Hey, go to a street called Straight and enter to a house of a man named Judas. And there's a man named Saul. I mean, I don't know if it will be like that. But what if it's just enough to see someone feel loved and encouraged by Jesus who we are following. That's incredible. We love this stuff and if this is a foreign concept to you, no worries, I have a book that I wrote called Hearing God. And uh, I'll give you a free copy of this book uh, in the info center at the end of the service, okay? I won't personally give it to you, but somebody there will give it to you. And this, just invest, if, you, if you're like, Ben, I don't understand hearing the voice of God. This is nine chapters, it will definitely help. Uh, and you can, you can have that for free. I went to, um, I was invited to speak at like this, uh, what do you call them? Like a, like a festival, basically, a big festival. And there were like uh, different things that they had going on, like worship bands. They have huge ones out at the gorge, and, and it was like a, a smaller version of that somewhere else. So I get invited in an area of Washington that I've never been before. In fact, I didn't even know it was in Washington. It, you know, there are places in the state of Washington that you don't know exist until you go there. Right? And you probably don't go, you don't usually go back. But anyhow, <laughs> I got invited to speak at this festival and I got there and there was like a huge lineup of like people that were doing worship and music and preaching and, and I was like the last of the last. You know, I was like the, the last preacher and there was a lot of people that were speaking and, and I had never been a part of something like this before and it was such a photo finish. You know, I have this sort of funny idea about my life where I stand up to do stuff and funny things happen, weird things happen and I feel so insecure and like the angels are like, hey, hey, come check this out. Look at Ben. That's great. No, let's not help him at all. Just look at that. That's great. Look at that. See what he does. It's just sort of like it is a bad idea, it's not true, but it's just sort of this photo finish in heaven. It's like swipe right, you know, look at that one, wow, that's great. Um, help, 
I put my notes down when I'm about to preach and they get blown down the river, you know, just And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm the ninth preacher in the ninth circuit with no notes. I have to borrow somebody's Bible and come up with something quick. So I just preach what the last guy preached, basically. Like, man, that was such a good sermon. Let's elaborate on what brother so-and-so said. Amen? It was terrible. It really was. So I'm feeling really bad. My message was the shortest that I've ever preached, probably like 15, 20 minutes. And I get done, and I'm with a group of people, and so we ended up walking across the street, and there's all these parks and rec guys that are facilitating where you park and all of these kinds of things for the festival. We're walking across the street, and they're already at the car. You know, they were my, the people that were with me were ready to go. So I'm walking across the street. I say hi to these guys, these two parks and rec guys. Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Hey, hey. I'm walking down this gravel road, and I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, as clear as day, I want you to stop. Go, go back and talk to those guys. And so a couple more steps, you know, I'm a little reluctant, a couple more steps. And I finally just, you know, this, first of all, this day can't get any worse. So I turn back around. I don't have anything in my mind to say to these guys, just that I know I need to go talk to them. So I walk right up to them and I talk to them. Hey guys, how you doing? They're like, uh, we're good. How, how are you? <laughs> and they got the twisted hats and the big diamonds in the ears, like, yo, what's up, man? So I, and I could do that, right? So I'm like, hey, cool, how, where are you guys from, and what's good? And as I'm talking to them, I have nothing. I'm just sort of waiting on the Lord for something, like literally something. And the Holy Spirit gives me a word of knowledge, and it was in the form of a thought. Sometimes that's what happens to me. I get a thought, and I take a risk, and I step out, and I say what, I, what that thought was. And the thought was there, was, there was a black guy and a white guy, and I say to the white guy, you were in the hospital and your sister overdosed on drugs and your whole family is vexed as a result of this. And he was like, what the, you know, (laughs) kind of a thing. And it was an on-ramp, that word of knowledge was an on-ramp now for me to talk to them about my testimony of coming to know Jesus and I share with them sort of the five-minute version of the gospel. And so as a result of this, I'm in this incredibly deep conversation about pain with this one person who I don't know. I'm sharing my testimony, sharing about the gospel of Jesus. Now, they did not give their lives to Jesus, but I, I didn't just plant a seed in their life. I planted like a palm tree, you know, in the, it was, I'm fully expecting that both of them are like this morning, like either preaching at some church or at least on the front row. Like I am at least expecting that personally. But anyways... I got to encourage them. I said, hey, guys, can I pray for you? And both of them at the same time take their hats off. It's just this thing. I mean, I would have never asked them to do that, but they just, there was such honor. There was such fear of the Lord in that moment uh, that God had moved, you know. And I, I'm just, I'm, we're, I'm nothing. You know, I'm just a guy who stopped walking down a gravel road and turned around with nothing in his mind and walked up to these guys. That's it. Right? We talked yesterday at the men's advance. I talked about the river of life, like we're carriers of the river and we're just a riverbed. That's what we are. Our life is a vessel. We're a riverbed. You know what a riverbed is? It's dirt with banks and limitations that carries the life-giving water wherever it goes. That's what we are. But we get to choose at times how to, where to channel that river. I mean, God will use other people if not us, but why not have him use us? And so I got to encourage these guys. It was really incredible. And this is something that we get to participate in because God wants to speak to us And we don't have to be a prophet, and we don't have to be someone special. We just have to be people that are praying and asking God to speak to us. Somebody's waiting on the other end of my obedience, but Lord, would you help me to understand what I'm to do? This is 
what we read about, Ananias is not mentioned as a prophet. He's not mentioned as somebody special. In fact, you never hear about him again. He's one of three Ananiases in the Bible, and all it says about him is he's a disciple. And in fact, the, the reason that I think that God spoke to him is because he was next door. It says there was a man named Ananias who was also in Damascus. Paul was in Damascus, and so God just chose somebody that was local, that was listening, that was hearing. That was it. That's the qualification. The third thing is God will give you faith. God will give you faith. In verse 11 and 12, God tells Ananias to go lay hands on Paul, and he responds with his obvious objections. Lord, I've heard of this man, <laughs> and he's not the kind of guy I want to go lay any hands on, if you know what I'm saying. I may not get a hand back. He's a serious persecutor of the church. I'm not that in. I mean, can you imagine like what it took for him to go up and knock at the door, hearing about what he was consenting to? Acts 8 verse 1, he consented to the death of Stephen. This is what they heard about him. This is what they knew about this guy named Saul. Ananias is like, Lord, I've heard about this guy. Not that interested. He walks up to the door. Judas's door is what it says the person's name is of where Saul is staying. Hey, man, hey, um, Judas, is that your name? That's ironic. Um, I... Uh, Sounds strange, looking for a guy named Saul. Is he here? Is he not here? Yeah, he's, oh, he's here? He's still here. He's still here? Okay, all right, still here. All right, um, is, he, uh, is, he, is, he, is, he, uh, is he awake? <laughs> you know, I mean, like, how would you approach that conversation without being somewhat fearful? He shares his objections. It's going to take faith on Ananias' part. Like, I've got to believe that God's going to do something great if I go to this guy's house. I just want to go to this guy's house and die so God speaks to him about what's going to happen. Isn't it interesting? The Lord actually tells Ananias after his objections what God is going to do. This is what he says. He says, I am going to, he's a chosen instrument of mine, and I'm going to use him to minister to the Gentiles, and I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. The next verse, Ananias departed. Isn't that crazy? God showed Ananias if you go, here's what I'll do. If you go to this guy's house, who you don't know, and you lay hands on this guy, who you do know, if you do that, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to raise him up. I'm going to send him to minister to the Gentiles. He's my chosen instrument, and he's going to suffer a lot. Maybe it was the suffering point where he got in. I don't know. <laughs> suffer in, I don't know. But he went, and it took great faith on his part to believe what God was going to do on the other end of his obedience to God right? Obedience is such an incredibly important part of our Christian life. The Lord calls us to do things, and he, he calls us to obey, because obedience implies love and trust. I love the Lord. I'm not obeying out of just obligation or fear. I'm obeying the Lord because I love the Lord, and I trust that whatever he says is good. Whatever he says is what's best. I love the Lord, and I trust the Lord. Therefore, I will obey the Lord. It takes faith to fill the gap, because often you and I we don't really know what God's going to do on the other end of our obedience or i.e. laying hands on someone or anything that God calls us to do. I don't get that kind of clarity. Like if I just do this, I don't know what will happen as a result of it. Maybe something incredible, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe something incredible will happen, but not immediately. But can I have faith that God will fill that, that gap? That God will do something great. What about in your family? 
What about my family? What about in our neighborhood? That if we step out in ways that we just have a sense, like you don't even have to have a clear word from heaven, but you just have a sense, like I could see Jesus doing this. And you, and you go about it. I mean, what, what would happen if we just believed that God would do something great and we don't always have to see it? We don't always have to have this cl clear of a word, but God will give us faith. We need to ask the Lord to give us faith to step out in obedience. Is our faith in what we see or is it what, our, what we feel, the logic of our situation? Or, you know, Ben, if I, if I do that, that nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen? What about Saul? I mean, here's a persecutor of the church and in one day he's transformed. That's what God does. And this is the kind of faith that God wants to stir in, in our hearts. Ask the Holy Spirit for faith to believe him for greater reality than what you see right now. That's, that's the call of today. I have a bunch of stories I wanted to share, but I don't have the time. The last point is very simple. Sherry, if, you're, uh, if you would come, is the Holy Spirit will flow through us. In verse 17 to 18, Ananias goes to see Paul, and he lays hands on him. And the Bible says that scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Ananias got to be a part. Listen to this. Ananias, who we don't, we have no idea who he is. He's just a guy that was in Damascus when Paul was in Damascus, or Saul was in Damascus. He was a guy that was praying and had a vision and heard from the Lord. He was a guy that obeyed, but he was a guy that got to be a part of releasing the greatest apostolic ministry that this earth has ever seen. There's no, mag there's no magic in these hands. There's no mat. like, can you imagine what he would feel on the way home? Like, wow, look at, the look at those hands. Those are great. There's no magic in those hands. It was the obedient act that released the power of God. He uses people, he speaks to people, he gives us faith to believe he's gonna do great and mighty things, but God's the one that ultimately is going to move in powerful ways. No magic in these hands, but are these obedient hands? Are these hands obedient to Jesus? How do you qualify or quantify your Christianity? What is it that, that if, if you were to say, this is the fruit of my life, and you were to put that on the table right now, what, 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 what are the things that you would put right here? What, what, is, it, is it your knowledge? Is it the years where you, you stayed a good person? What, 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 are these, what are these things that we're going to put on the table and say, this, this is what is evidential of my Christian life? And I, I've been a Christian. I'm celebrating 20 years of knowing the Lord this December. It's not a long time necessarily, but it's long enough to know one thing is, is that my obedience to Jesus is what causes great things because he releases his power, his spirit, all of the things that touched and changed my life. He releases that through my life when I just obey him. Not drum up a good plan or just focus on becoming a nice person. I mean, everybody should probably be a little nicer. We should work on that, but I'm talking about focus of our Christian life. And this last thought as I close, I was thinking about what are the obstacles that are in the way of God using us in ways that maybe we wouldn't see ourselves being used by God? What, what are the things that are in the way of us releasing what God has put inside of us? What's, what's it for you? Because you can't say, we can't say that God doesn't want to use us. We can't say that. We can't say that God doesn't want to speak to us. We can't say that. We can't act like our life is just going to be somewhat average. Ananias could have been just some average person. But God's not average. What we're involved in is not average. It's not common.
It's holy. It's incredible. I mean, it's, it's marvelous. It's magnificent. When we worship God this morning, we're worshiping a God that is not just magnificent and, and, and powerful and all that he truly is, but he's also a God that has come near to us and given us a plan and us a purpose and uses us. We're overwhelmed by that. So we can't talk about this thing like it's common or average or it's, it's not, unless somehow we're in the way. What are the obstacles in the way of God using you to release the next Saul? Maybe I'm not going to be a Saul. Maybe I'm not going to be a Paul, but I can, I can put my hands on someone else, and they might become a person that takes the gospel into places I will never go and do things that I will never do. What if, what if we had faith for that this morning? Isn't that incredible? Man, that's inspirational to me. Raise up the Ananiases that will release the Saul's. I pray that's what Mill Creek Foursquare Church becomes in the days ahead. That we're a house that don't have to be, we don't have to be famous, we don't have to be special, we don't have to be incredible, right? We're not going to get to the end of our life. Jesus says, well done, good and famous servant. Like, not going to happen. But what about faithful? What about faith-filled? And we could release Saul's and Paul's and, and every other version all over the world. That could be our church. Powerful. What are the obstacles in the way? Let's pray over that this morning as we close. Father, we thank you for your power working in us this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are filled with expectation in the life that we live. You, you want to use us. You are speaking to us. You want to release us so that we would go and bring life to others everywhere that we go. And I pray this morning over our church, I pray that you would release us to bring your life, your power, your fruit, your gifts everywhere that we go. Lord, outside of this building, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, that the obstacles that we face right now, I pray, Lord, that you would break down those obstacles and set us free from those things that are restricting us and holding us back from the glorious things that you want to do through our life to bring glory to yourself. So I pray for our church. I pray for my life, my home. I pray, Lord, release us, empower us, fill us with the Holy Spirit this morning, and use us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.